0: So today's guest, Ricky, one of my uh, longtime friends. How long have we known each other? A little while now. Three years. Three years. Four years, maybe. He has uh, He's owned his own restaurant in town. He's worked at the council. He's moved his way through the politic world, which is uh, obviously an interesting journey. Very interesting. Um, but welcoming Rick Yusuf to Ballarat Talks. Thanks, Josh. It's no, it's a really
1: pleasure. pleasure to be here. Yeah, it is a pleasure. It? Um, oh, it's a pleasure for you. not but for first, me. First,
0: <laughs> first of all, just tell me a bit about yourself, all the Ballarat community know. Who you oh, are
1: you, Ricky? Well, I've been in Ballarat since 1987. I moved up here from Melbourne for 12 months and ended up staying here. After I'd been here about three months, I was driving up the Western Highway and saw this old school for, old school off the side of the road, and I thought, I might buy that, turn that into a house. And I uh, rang the education department. They weren't going to sell it. A month later, I bought it at auction, and, um, and that sort of cemented me to living in, in Ballarat forever. Where was the school? Uh... Up near Cardigan. Uh, it's not actually at the village. It's on the right-hand side heading towards towards Cardigan Village. It's on the highway, or on the old highway. Yeah. And it's about seven k's past the arch of victory.
0: So obviously the full reno, it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turned, in, turned into a house, put in a couple of bedrooms, a loft, yep. uh, a bathroom and a kitchen. It was 20 foot, I think about 20 foot long and, uh, 20, 20 foot across and 36 foot long. Yeah. So it's quite small. And I did all this before all the renovation programs had been on TV, so I had no idea what I was doing. Yep. Went and spoke to a draftsman, they did some designs for me, and I um, you know, lived there for a few years, so it was a really nice place to live. Very nice. hmm. um,
0: now, I wasn't really sure where this conversation was going to go, because I've no. obviously known you for a long time, yes. uh, and we've had many conversations about Ballarat at the time you've had here.
1: Yeah, usually it's sort of 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning at the gym. I train Rick, I and Rick for the people. a little bit. Yeah.
0: Know. So we, we have some uh, deep discussions, as most trainers will know. It gets pretty deep. Um, first of all, tell me about your restaurant in town.
1: Oh right, so after I'd been here about um, about four or five years, my father said to me one day, uh, "How's work?" And I said, "Shit." And he said, "Well, why don't you open a restaurant?" Pretty and pretty I pretty said, cool. I, don't know, I don't know anything about restaurants. And he said, oh, but your cousin in Melbourne does. My father was Lebanese. Yep. And so half my family were Lebanese, and the cousin in Melbourne had, had restaurants. And um, so we opened a restaurant. We got a bit of help from the health surveyor, who was Alex Ceruri at the time, and uh, found a great building on Sturt Street.
0: What's and it uh, now? What's, what's that building now? Uh, it's now
1: a, um, it's now a chi- an Asian restaurant of some description. It's, I think it's number 12 Sturt Street. So the bottom end of Sturt Street, on the left-hand side, walking down towards the mall. Top like brown grain or something. No, no, no. no further down, further right down, right down the bottom, near the ice cream place. Oh yeah. I just passed the um, uh, past Irish Murphy's. Yeah. And a few more doors down. Anyway, so um, so it had been a, an RM Williams store. It had been a clothing store when we got it, yep. and then we just converted it into a restaurant, put a full kitchen in, uh, bought lots of secondhand furniture, and had friends help me do it all up and. Uh, after about three months we opened and we were a Middle Eastern restaurant the only sort of Middle Eastern restaurant in Ballarat for a long time I don't even there's not one out here now either apart from oh, the kebab carts and things like that so yeah. and we had a really successful run for about four years yep. really hard work uh, if anyone ever says to you open a restaurant oh, just, no just say, say no
0: I thought about like I, I think about like all the boys around town like even the boys from higher or yeah. uh, even like Moon and Mount with Teddy and I just think to myself the nightmare must be the staff like not saying that like, not the, the staff aren't nightmare I'm saying like man- people, man- management and that like keeping yeah. keeping staff going or you know someone's called in sick
1: or managing staff's a big issue and keeping good cooks and chefs was a bit of an issue yeah um I was really naive and really didn't know what I was doing and so um I think I treated some staff fairly badly and uh Asshole. Yeah, but... but um, I was but, stressed. I understand.
0: Stress gets people. Well. Yeah, so I was,
1: really, I was really stressed. I was in my... Um, I suppose I was in my early 30s when, when I opened it. Had really no idea. I took leave from work yep. for, um, for 12 months. I, I had a long service leave, and then I took uh, leave without pay. Yep. And then after two years, worked, I was working for the public service. They said, resign or come back. Jeez, oh, okay. And I thought, I'll go back. So I ran the restaurant at night, yep. five nights a week, and worked... Five days full time, so I'd finish work at five o'clock, and go across to the restaurant. Get there about five thirty. Open at six. Work through to ten or eleven. Yep. Close. Go home to bed. Get up. Go to work. Is
0: it worth it? Um. Like like like. I made money,
1: which is good. We weren't fully licensed. I would have made a lot of money if we'd been fully licensed. But we made money, or I made money, and it um and it was successful, and I sold it. I had it on the market for probably two and a half years, and time. when I sold it, it was really exciting. It was really good. It was really good. A oh, huge, huge relief. Yep. And uh, my life then returned to normal. But having a restaurant is a lifestyle. It's not a. It's not a job. Cool. And so you. It
0: just. Well, it just nonstop.
1: It's nonstop, and people people used to say to me, "Oh, you know, it's okay going to a restaurant and you see the staff having fun and it looks really good." Yeah. But when you're actually running it, and when you're at the back. And when you've got people not turning up, or if you've got uh, food not not coming, or, or um, or other issues, it's just very very difficult. Yeah. And uh, and we had some problems. I mean, we had a couple of work cover clients had a, had a had one of our cooks cut her hand really badly. And just put it on you. Yeah. Well. No. No. We well, We did the right thing. She did the right thing. Yeah, but yeah. um and then, and we had a full house that night. And I, I rang a friend up and said, "Look, you know, um, we need some. We need someone to come and help wait." So I went from the, from waiting to the kitchen. Yep. And we had about eighty people in, and we're halfway through service, and it was just crazy. And I, this friend said, "Oh, what should I wear?" And I said, "I just wear wear something see through." I was just joking. <laughs> anyway, she turned she turned up with this see through top on with a flesh coloured. A girlie. Th- Yeah, yeah, thing underneath, and she said, "Is this okay?" And I thought, "Oh God, what have I done?" But um. But she's still a good friend. A lot of the staff still are friends. I yep. still see people still pop up. And um, do
0: you have any big stories from there? Like I imagine, oh, years there, you got something that's like oh, yeah, there
1: were some stories. But but the, the one I remember the most is um we had a table of women come in and, and I thought they were I thought they were gay, yep. all lesbians, yep. and because uh, they're all a bit you know a bit, a bit rough and ready, and and there was about twelve of them. And um, at, this, at that time, my mate who used to own the Union Hotel directly across the road, Michael Tonks, which a lot of people, a lot of people know Michael.
0: That's your apartment? Is that the apartments now? apartments. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, he, um, he thought he'd try to make a bit of money on weekends by running a gay bar there on Sundays. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: And so I saw these women and, and I went out the front and had to start chatting to them. And, and I said, um, oh, look, if, if you're free on Sunday... There's a new gay bar opening up across the road run by Michael, and it's, he's a great guy, and it's really—it's going to be a very friendly crowd over there. Jeez, you were, yeah, you were, you were putting the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I said, and the women all sort of looked at me and so, said, well, that sounds really nice. And I said, oh, well, we're usually pretty busy on Sundays, but, yeah, no, that sounds good, that sounds good. And the woman at the head of the table said, you don't remember me, do you, Rick? And as soon as she said my name, I thought, oh, oh I'm in trouble. And I said, no, I don't. She said, oh, I'm Sister so I'm the principal of Loretto College.
0: Oh, dear.
1: And I looked at her, and she said, "I'd like you to meet Sister So and So. This is Sister So and So. This oh, is Sister So and So." The whole table were nuns, <laughs> <laughs> so so, so they, they weren't they weren't they weren't lesbians no. as, as such. And um, so I just I just ran off. I
0: guess they just shut up and away the But anyway,
1: then a week later, I got a phone call, uh, a message left on the answering machine from another nun saying, "Oh look, I'm Sister Chris from the Sisters of Mercy in Ballarat." And we'd like to book a table for six, and uh, this time and this day. And she said, "Oh, by the way, I've just checked with the girls. Oh, none of us are lesbians." <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so word, so, words so word had got around in the um, in the Catholic community. So it was very funny, and it was uh, it was very embarrassing for me. And um, yeah, but it was good. It was good. They came back. It was good. Yeah, right. Yeah, and another time we had some people who, you know, in the early days we had a lot of uh, teething problems, and some people had to wait a long time for their meals, which was difficult. Yeah. And um, and one co- and one couple were there, and they'd had a lot to drink. Oh, reminds me of another story. But they'd had a lot to drink, and um, and they um, and they, they and they were getting angry about having to wait so long. And um, I walked over to them because they were angry, and I said, "Well, I'm really sorry, but your meal's on its way out. We're never coming back. And, you know, we had a real. It's been really bad tonight." And I said, "Well, what can I do to make this experience good for you? You know, how can I how can I fix this?" Yep. Anyway. I started channelling Basil Faulty for some I don't know what it was. Who? Basil Falty of Faulty Towers. You're probably nah, too yeah, young lost me. Or oh, John Cleese anyway. And I said I said, Right, I want you to be happy. What can I do? And oh you can't do anything? I'll pay for the meal. I'll pay for your meals, it'll cost I'll you nothing. It'll cost you and oh well we're still happy. I'll get you wine. I've got wine in the kitchen, have it for free. <laughs> and, and, um, it. Anyway, there that. all these people in the restaurant, everything had gone quiet and they're watching me and listening to me and Anyway, these people left. I didn't charge them. And then everyone just clapped as they left. Oh, so they're and arseholes. They're assholes, okay. And so they were really happy. But we had another couple in who were regulars who were elderly and they, um, they had a fair bit to drink. And uh, Anyway, the husband ran past me and ran through the kitchen
2: yeah.
1: and disappeared. I thought, where's he gone? And I went up to his wife and said, what's happened to Ron? And she said, oh, he's not very well. Anyway, he came in, went to the toilet and cleaned up and went and sat down. And I went up to him and said, Are You okay? And he said, oh, I've been a bit sick. And he'd been sick in our backyard. He'd had too much to drink yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And his wife leaned forward and said, Look, he's lost his teeth. Oh, I was spewing. Yeah, his false teeth had come out when you were spewing out the back. And he said, oh, Do you reckon you can go find them? <laughs> and I said, No. There's a line, mate. There's a line. There's a man. line. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so anyway, Ron went back out the back and found them and rinsed them under the tap. Yuck. Yuck. So they're the good, they're the funny stories. but... Uh, yeah, there's lots of other stories but they're probably them a bit
0: inappropriate
1: mate yeah some of them are a bit inappropriate well <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> you can speak your mind you. I don't mind yeah. um and then you sort of moved on to the, the political world didn't you after that or was that oh you yeah. were in the you were in the news uh,
1: yeah. I was working I was well prior to the restaurant I was working at the Commonwealth Employment Service yep. in Ballarat and so I did that I'd come up here to work for them for 12 months on a contract yeah uh, from Melbourne and then I ended up staying here for forever yeah and during my time at the, um, at the CES, the, the staff, there were really shy, yeah. and, they were, and they never wanted to do any media or, or anything. There was lots of stuff happening in the media with the CES at the time. Unemployment was going through the roof, and there were all these new job programs being, being created. Yeah. So I became the face of the CES in Ballarat on television and on the radio, okay. which was really good fun. I had a great time. And then I got to do a program on Channel 6, on b 2 6 called Job Shop every thursday night just
0: shop with ricky baby every thursday night
1: for three minutes just before the news so it was a really high rating program right across across western victoria
0: oh so you'd be like give us a bit of an intro how would you how would you do you remember any lines like Uh, like what was your intro to the start
1: uh let me think oh hello and welcome to job shop tonight i have jobs (laughs) from right across western victoria in ararat we have a position for a a chicken boner to remove the flesh from the breast and thigh portions of chickens, yeah. and so you yeah. so you'd so you get, get, go through jobs and and you'd have um then you'd have a salary and yep. and where to go to find out more about it, and uh, so you'd do about six or eight jobs from you know Ararat, Store, Colac, Hamilton, uh, Ballarat. Yeah. So around the area, right. and uh, then people people four, would run off before
0: the day sort of thing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So people would then run off to the local CES office and find out more about it. Yep. And I'd go places, and people would recognise me, and it was really, um, a bit of a star. It was really funny. It was really funny, and I was really bad. I've got some old um, VHS videos of me doing it. Yeah, and I was pretty bad.
2: You have to bring me in after a while with them. Yeah, but
1: when I was up at Channel Six, um, I, I was, um, I, I, wasn't. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm gay, and I wasn't openly out in, in, in the times when I first came up here. And I was up at Channel Six, and I was walking down a corridor. Yeah. And there was Betty Bobbitt from Prisoner, who was an actress oh, in Prisoner. Yeah. know Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know Betty. No, no, well, anyway, she was, she was... Anyone who knows Prisoner will know Betty Bobbitt. Anyway, she was walking towards me in this corridor. And she said, how are you going, you old poof Oh, jeez. And I thought, how did she know How did she know that I was going? Oh,
0: oh, <laughs> I was a bit of a guest emotion.
1: And, and then um, I hear this voice behind me saying, I'll oh, get, get stuff, Betty. And it was um, a well-known Ballarat... Uh, television personality, a, a guy who worked up there for a number of years, yep. standing behind me, and so she was talking to him and not to me. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I laughed, she laughed, he laughed. Well, just
0: actually, just on that, like, um, in the whole, like, I, we've, we've talked about this numerous times about, you know, coming out and being yep. gay and stuff like that. How hard was it? It was obviously super hard back in the day. So even like now, like, I, I feel like obviously now it's accepted, Like yes. like, it's all... Like all the old school mentality way of thinking, or like it's pretty much all gone. Well, not all gone at the door. Obviously, I'm not in your situation, but yeah. How do you? How did you? I want to say cope, but obviously, like how well, did you? Well, it, yeah, well, yeah. It, was, it
1: was difficult. I mean, when I when I came up here, I came up here um in '87, so it was sort of at the start of the AIDS crisis. So yep. I came up here. A couple of years in the AIDS crisis, and that was probably one thing that encouraged me to come up here to leave Melbourne because I'd sort of been a difficult time for me down there. But prior to that, um, I came out in the early eighties when it was still illegal to be gay. So the law reform, uh, the laws changed. I think forty years ago. Which makes no sense. Today,
0: can you explain that to me, Ricky? I don't, I don't understand how your your decisions. Well, it's you're... like me walking into Subway and being like, oh, well, you're, you're ordering your Subway sandwiches. You say, I want ham. And I go, well, I don't like that. Well, you're not eating that, mate.
1: Yeah. I don't want... or, it's like, or it's like saying, um, I, you've got, you know, I've got blue eyes and you've got brown eyes. So because I've got blue eyes, I should be punished. Yeah. Because the blue eyes were no choice of mine. Yeah. As a, as brown eyes weren't any choice of yours. So, so it was it's really crazy times. It was really, and very, Yeah. And, and there weren't any positive role models when I was growing up, any yep. positive gay role models. The only, only gays you saw on television were sad gays or, or um, slapstick gays. Like, uh, slapstick? I like the guy on um, Are You Being Served? Again, if you're a bit old, there's a TV show called Are You Being Served? And there was a set in a department store in the UK, and the guy was very camp and very funny.
2: Yeah.
1: And... Or number 96, which is again a number of re- uh, another really old um, television show from Australia, yep. where one of the act- where one of the um, characters was a gay lawyer, uh, Joe Hashem, as the actor, and they were the only role models. There was no one, any, there was no one else. There was no sports people or no, no other actors, no gay actors who were openly gay. Yep. Um, there was nothing. So, so you it was, until you found other gay people, you were really alone. And luckily, I found. Um, I found a group in Melbourne called Society Five which was a, a sort of a gay social group. Yeah. Which was really good. And that helped a lot? Oh yeah. So I met other people. Yeah, yeah. And it took a lot to walk along in there to meet to to to, to open the door and say hello.
0: Do you feel like it's obviously changed now or not? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: But it's funny, I, I run a um I run a gay coffee group here on yeah. Thursday mornings and we, we promoted on a on a, a gay Facebook page, Bellroy. Rainbow Ballarat Facebook page yep. and we still get people turning up who are really nervous like people in their 30s or 40s or 50s For what reason? Uh, because they don't know any gay people or they don't know what they're going to find when they get there or what expectations are going to be yep. and all it is is just a group of people sitting around drinking coffee
0: Mind you, I should have got you a coffee today, sorry Yeah, well that would have been <laughs> nice
1: um, but, it's, um, but times really have changed there's lots of more role models a lot um, I mean the marriage equality debate really put in people's faces so yep. people started thinking about how crazy a lot of the um a lot of the stigma attached to being gay is and and, and persecuting people when I mean, it's just crazy, crazy shit. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And that, that's the thing, younger people know that. So people say newer age yeah, group it's,
0: it's wing cat sort of just like yeah. like even like the old like I said, the older generation when you look at like grandpas and you know, pops and things yeah. like that. You still get a lot of that, sort of the racist sense or the even the stigma of the gays and things well, like homophobia. that. I homophobia. Homophobia, just yeah. think,
1: oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I remember back in my days at the CES, I, I've told you this story once before, where I was, we used to go on conferences and we'd have to share rooms with people. I really hated hated it. But I used to share a room with a guy from the CES here who was a really nice guy. And um, and I remember being at lunch one day and, and, and one of the CES managers from Bendigo was saying, oh, well, you know, one day I had to share a room with John someone and I had to sleep with a, you know, with an eye open because, you know, he was gay and I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And and I just looked at him and thought, how, how, how pathetic. Yeah. I mean, and I said really loudly to the woman beside me, isn't it funny how the ugly ones are worried about the gays wanting to jump them?
0: Do you, do you get revved up now? Like, if someone says something in your face, but well, you wonder, well, they don't. They don't. They like, don't. Yeah. But I mean, if... Like, like they say in, like, a joking way. Like, this, obviously there's a difference between joking and stuff like that, but, like, is it, like... You know how people will do, like just palm it off, like that type of thing. Like, yeah. And what you obviously tell between if he's serious or not. But like, yeah. do you say something? Do you say, well,
1: so, look. Sometimes I, I, I don't keep my mouth shut enough. I don't think sometimes, but it depends who's saying it. Yeah. If it's someone who I who I know is um is homophobic or is just a shit. Yeah. I'll say something. Yeah. But normally I just laugh. Yeah. People, are, you know, a lot of pathetic people out there. Yeah. That's a good... Yeah but, um, but coming up here was funny because the, the, the gay community up here was really 10 years behind Melbourne when I came up here in the 80s. Like there, weren't any, there wasn't any nightclubs or any um, venues to go to There was a gay group here that advertised in the courier yep. that was before social media and it was just a group of guys and a couple of women would get together just to have coffees at someone's house. Yep. But most gays in Ballarat used to go to Melbourne or well, gays and lesbians would go to Melbourne to go to nightclubs and things down there. Yep. so there was. A, I mean, the provincial hotel used to have a gay night. Just down the road, yeah, just down the road here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Irish Murphys, when it was the Camp Hotel.
2: Yeah. That uh, yeah.
1: That, that um, you know, Thursday night, a lot of us would just turn up, there, and then we started looking around, realizing there were lots of other gays there as well. Yeah. And so it turned into a gay venue on Thursday nights. Yep. Uh, the uni bar tried for a while. The Union Hotel tried for a while. Yep. Um, I think there was even something happening in the in the um, in Craig's in the basement there. There was something. I think there was basement. Don't think a basement. Yeah, there. they used to have a jazz bar down in the basement there. Then they started, it started becoming a, a place where, where gays would um, gather and drink. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but now there isn't, a, there aren't any gay venues in town as such, but there are a lot of gay friendly venues like. Uh, piano, piano bar. Piano bar. Yeah, they
0: do. The yeah, stuff. yeah. They had like a drag queen yeah. yard or something. Yeah, yeah. And a it was, drag bingo. <laughs> Who was quoting that to the other day? It was quoting something about the uh the numbers they pull out 55 oh. big month dive <laughs> 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 um yeah i wouldn't would mind going there actually no, we should we people. should organize yeah, it right, I mean,
1: yeah right we will the canberra hotel um that they have uh, they're very gay friendly there as well and i know back in the 80s or 90s i had friends who ran ran i had a friend who ran a bar in ballarat and he was he was gay and he was really um uncomfortable thinking it would be known as a gay bar Yeah. Wow. so it, well he didn't want to um, I suppose he didn't want to be the target of any abuse okay. or vandalism but he was also I think he might have just been a bit uptight about it all yep. and the only time he started started encouraging gays to come it was when the business was dying and he needed he needed uh, yeah, more yeah, money yeah. through the register Yeah. and I thought that was a bit bit short sighted mm. mm.
0: moving on to the uh, political side of things ah. now don't take offence to this When I think of politics, Ricky, I I think, I feel like it's like you're back in primary school, like Labour versus Liberal and the bitching tactics and the backstabbing and the, like, you can tell me where where it's at, Ricky. I don't know what you
1: want to talk about here, but. I never saw any backstabbing in primary school. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what school you went to. No, I know what you mean. And if you watch, um, if you watch Question Time on TV. Yep. uh, Or listen to it on the radio. It's, um. It is pretty. Um, it's pretty full on. Full on, all right. uh, Unless you're there. If you're sitting there, you can actually hear what's being said. Yeah. So if you're in the chamber, which any member of the public can go there, and it's a, uh, if you want, if you're in Canberra during election time, uh, during um, during uh, Parliament. Yep. Um, it's really, it's really, it is really, it is very childish. But, but it's all part of the game, I suppose. And a lot of time there are sensible de- debates happening in Parliament. Uh, people are representing their constituents. Yep. Uh, we've had excellent representation in Ballarat for a number of years now with Catherine King, and prior to Catherine we had um, Michael Ronaldson, who everyone liked as well, yep. loved. They loved Catherine. They loved Michael, who was Liberal. So yep. Catherine's Labor. Yep. Prior to Michael we had, um, and um, we've had uh, John Mildren, who was an excellent Labor member, and then Liberal members prior to him. Yeah. So, um, so if you put aside, you know, the bickering and and the um, you know the shit fights you see and the and start and think about what you need as a constituent if you've got an issue if you've got a concern if you're having trouble with Sendlink or or with veterans affairs or or getting a passport or yep. or anything like that you've got someone you can turn to yeah and katherine's office will help you yeah or your local federal member will help you but it is it is it is discouraging
2: oh
0: be a very yeah. hard industry to work into like it was really hard like to either, work. like I, I don't care either way to be honest i'm mm-hmm. Like, I feel like nothing, nothing someone from Labor or Liberal is going to do is going to affect my life that much. Do you believe it or not? Well,
1: well, it could. I mean, if there was... Yeah, it could.
0: But it crazy could. amounts. Not crazy
1: amounts. Well, pension age, if they raise the pension age to 70, yeah. that means you've got to wait another three years for your pension. Yeah. That'll affect you in the long term. It won't affect you now. Or if they changed um, super, superannuation arrangements or they changed tax, tax on your industry
0: yeah okay well i'm probably not well versed in this uh,
1: so subject. so 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 there are things that could happen to could happen to you directly or indirectly yeah through through changes and if if things happen that's when you can go to your federal member and lobby them yeah or as an or as an industry group you know if there's a group of um gym owners yep. like, like recently a number of gym owners in ballarat with the um with the shutdown we're trying to we're lobbying the state members about lifting the shutdown or um Oh yeah, I did see a lot of it. Yeah. yeah And there's ways of doing things. I'm not sure they did it very successfully. No, I don't think um, it was. But there are ways of doing it where you can be where you can be a lot more um targeted and a lot lot more gentle, although using a sledgehammer they weren't really No. I don't think they did it very well. No. That's why they need they need people who've worked in the industry to help them.
0: Yeah well they probably should have gone to somebody like that, shouldn't
1: they? Yeah, yeah, they should have and yeah so it, it is um, it's a tough game I worked in it from 2000 I started with Catherine when she was elected in 2001 yep and my last gig uh, kind okay of f- well not uh, well my last gig federally yeah finished um, at the end of 2000 and 2011 started 2012 yeah and then I came back here in 2015 and worked for um Sharon Knight Jala Pulford yep. and then um, Michaela Settle for the last two years and I retired in September. Yeah. So there's a real difference between working in federal po- politics and state politics. It's, yep. uh, yeah. So the good thing about federal politics is you get to travel a lot. So yeah, I was going to
0: say, you, what are the perks of it, the travel? The travel? Do you get, there's something pension-wise after it? Is that how it works or not?
1: No, sort of, yeah, yeah, sort of. There's different pensions and yep. uh, there's old pension schemes and new pension schemes. Uh, the superannuation's better. Yep. Uh, working federal, you get good superannuation. Uh, I think it's about fifteen point four percent, rather than nine point five. So that's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Whereas state government, it's um, it's it's, um, it's pretty um, it's pretty standard. Yeah. Well, I worked when I was working in Canberra. I worked for a, a number of MPs, and I worked for Peter Garrett for twelve months. Yep. And that was pretty fantastic. He was that's a great guy. To, great guy to work for. He was doing the education minister then. Yep. So I was working with him during the Gonski times. Yep. Gonski school funding, and uh, he was great to work with. Was there anything,
0: you, well, yeah, I don't know if you can talk about that, but was there anything that you saw that was like, didn't sit well with you at, during your time in like?
1: In politics?
0: Yeah. Uh, or in Canberra? In politics.
1: No, not really. No. I, I got really frustrated sometimes when people would come in. I used to do a lot of constituent work, so I'd help people with problems. Yep. And I used to get frustrated sometimes dealing with government departments. Yep. Trying to sort stuff out that just seemed really, really obvious. Yeah. As in what,
0: someone would call you from town and you'd have to call on their behalf sort of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. So someone, normally they'd either write a letter to, you know, Catherine or Michaela. Yeah. Or they'd send an email or they'd come and knock on the door. Yeah. And I'd sit down with them and talk to them about what the issue was and then try to sort it out for them. A lot of issues were very, very simple to sort out. Yeah. But some were very complicated and, um, um, and I used to get frustrated, especially towards the end I'd get really frustrated that I couldn't sort out something that I saw as very simple.
2: Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so.
0: Now, uh, I do have some questions for you, Ricky. Over your time, I'm not saying you've been here for a, a long time, but you've been here a lot longer than some people. Yes. Is there anything that's stuck in your head throughout time that's like, you know, there's like someone said something to you and it's just never left? Like it's oh. been something that you've lived your life by or something you've sort of yeah, carried on through?
1: Well, the only thing that's really stuck in my head is be a better you. Oh, Inside jokes. I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, no, I, I don't know. Um, Stuff was really stupid. You know, yeah, I, I tell you, look, I tell you. Um, but be, yeah, before the restaurant, I never really, I never, I didn't realise how much um, how much resilience I had, or how much I could really push myself to the limit. Yep. And and that was really, I mean, that was really um, eye opening when I thought I really had nothing more to give and it turned out I did yep. and when I was working with Peter Garrett um, I did things up there that I, I didn't I mean he'd asked me to do things and I thought well I can't do that you know I didn't have the ability to do it yep. and I thought well if he's asked me he must think I can do it and so I could yep. and I'd do it and um, I, just think, I just think we all underestimate our abilities and what we can and can't do and, what our, and what our limits are
2: yeah, like
0: even thinking about like I think like my business partner. Obviously, I've talked about Harley a lot. Yeah, like I I can't get over his mental ability just to do whatever. Like he's just oh, I'm going to do a marathon. I'm going to do. It's like the David Goggins. I don't know if you heard of him, the guy mm-hmm. in America. That's just like just beyond what you think you can do ever. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's got that in them. It's just
1: well, I, I I've never been a, a I've never been a um an active person and when I was in Canberra, some of my friends decided to go walking. Yeah. So I went walking with them and then some of them started doing a bit of running. So I try to do two and three kilometre runs with them, which was really, really hard. And then one of them said, look, the YMCA's got a running group to do 5K runs, or six yep. k runs. So I joined that. I could run 6Ks. Yep. And then they said, oh, there's a 10K running group. You should join that. So I did. And then I did the city to surf run a few times and it was just 14Ks. And then they said, if you run 14ks you can run 21 and a half and so and so I joined the the YMCA um, uh, t- uh, half marathon running group yep and then I ran my first half marathon in Canberra and then in 2013 which is a while ago now I did I think I did 13 or 15 half marathons in the year Yep. because one of my mates was training to do the Boston marathon so we'd get do half marathons on Sundays as training runs so you could run then? I could run so and
0: he could, well, he could did you keep it up with him
1: Oh, we well, we just did. We just did, it was just a trot, okay. and uh, so he he didn't do half. He didn't run marathons when we did did training runs. Yeah, yeah. And then I joined a, a. I thought, well, if I can do a half marathon, I can do a marathon. And I joined this marathon training group. And I had a fall. I think it was probably two or three weeks in training, yeah. and just just lost lost. But I couldn't do it anymore. So I hurt. I injured myself, and so I was off running for a couple of months while I recuperated. And then um, so I went back to half marathons. And then when I moved back to Belarus in twenty fifteen, I just I just didn't do any running.
0: You've been back lately. You've been doing a little bit lately. Been doing a bit of running, you I joined know, the running COVID. group. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, COVID sort of hit you pretty hard. As yeah, as yeah. as ever, but... but
1: it's amazing it's amazing what you can do. I mean I just I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe I could run a half marathon. Yeah. Even thinking about it now. And every so often on Facebook I'll get a you know, get a, a memory pop up of a run I'd done or, or whatever, I think it can't be me I couldn't have done that it's all you I've got all those medals at home and I think jeez man
0: you could do it now I probably could I reckon could too yeah yeah It's yeah. like jog but like no yeah, yeah. record break but you could do it yeah yeah I, I'm,
1: well yeah 100% but even going to even going to the gym was hard that was sort of a, a big step
0: yep um, what's something nobody knows about you Ricky is there anything that's well, if I told you Josh well, everyone would know well I know that but that's what I'm trying to get out of here like oh. give me is there anything that's sort of uh Scared of heights. Yeah, well that's common knowledge.
2: Alright.
0: I can't I can't think You've got of anything. Well. Oh, no. um, is there somebody in the Ballarat community that you want to see on this podcast? Is there anybody that you can think of that you, oh, that you think I right. should be asking
1: to come on here? I reckon yeah, I reckon someone like Janet Dorr. Yeah, yeah Janet Dorr's been this was the CEO of the city of Ballarat when the amalgamations happened in the in the early 1990s, yep. mid 1990s, and she's recently come back okay. to help out when, when the council. She's in, just leaving, yeah. Yeah, she's just leaving now. Yep. She came back for a few months to help out while you know while they're the replacing the CEO. Yeah. And she's she's seen Ballarat. Um, she worked here for a number of years, left, went to Newcastle, worked in Melbourne, and now she came. She's come back here to live, and then she's been back here as the CEO for a bit. Yeah. And just talking, to, I reckon she'd be really interesting to talk to. Oh. Uh-huh about about Ballarat and how it's changed. Because Ballarat, it's a really different Ballarat to when I came up here in oh, 18. the last in 18. 10
0: years, like, it's exploded. Like, just, I can't get over of the, the property market and well, it's the pop- happening around town, Everything, everything's it's, changed. It's just crazy. And
1: when I came here in, in 1987, you could buy a, um, a miners' cottage for $20,000, 17000 When I bought the school out at Cardigan, I paid 50000 for it. Unbelievable. Um, there were... Under eighty thousand people living here when I came here. Yeah, it's and about now yeah I think it's probably about one twenty. One twenty. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just the town's changed so much. A lot of locals don't like the fact it's factors changed because it's so busy now. There's traffic jams in the morning on, especially on Sturt Street oh, around the schools. Oh, and, hang on, it's no Melbourne though. Like it's, well, it's no Melbourne I think or it's Sydney. A good happy medium. Yeah, like, yeah. It's
0: not like. I'm from Navarre. It's like a small one, like ah. 100 people, 100 yeah, yeah. people in town or something. Yeah. Um, and even going to a stall on the bus every morning, like there's still, what, 10,000 there. Yep. Coming here was like, I feel like it was... The big of, smoke. Yeah, the big smoke. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, it was yeah. better than... Like, I think it's a, a lot better than Melbourne anyway. You, yep. you can still get to know everybody. I feel like most people are friendly. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah. It's you like a gang around, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's nice happy medium.
1: It's funny living here. I, after I'd lived here about... um a month or six weeks i felt like i was at home yeah back in the 80s was when i moved to canberra uh i didn't feel like i was at home and then i thought well i'll buy a house up there and bought a house i still didn't feel like i belonged or i was at home okay and i spent a lot of time looking at houses back here yeah to come back and after nine years i did one thing someone wouldn't know about me is i'm from my mother was from donald in north central victoria the
0: magic man
1: the, the magic man you know uh,
0: um, Pat Allen
1: Pat Allen's yeah. from Donald yeah, he's still, is he still yeah. he's still going he's still I just I think I don't think he's don't Probably think
0: he's in the well. 90s 80s I don't uh, know. late 80s
1: well I went past his house I was up there a few months ago I went past his house and all the signs are still up at the front right yeah so, so Pat,
0: Pat Allen for people that aren't listening he's, he was like he's everybody all the country footy clubs and that would know him for just he, he always get your players going he's, he come on boy
1: and Work, work is magic
0: that's it work is magic we'll get you going massage you're yeah. like a chiropractor and a masseur he was he has a special uh, effect on people Yeah,
1: not for sure yeah so, um, yeah so I lived in Donald off and on for a number of years and that's that why, why you're crazy on
0: cookers country con- yeah. cookers country yeah. Cookies.
1: Yep. you're fantastic <laughs> great training food. aren't they Josh let's wait for the plug <laughs>
0: Very good. Thanks so much Ricky. I think we we might call it there. Really appreciate okay. you coming in. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Hey, no, thanks for coming. I should I uh, shall see you on
2: probably Monday morning for some training. You definitely will. Hey, <laughs> Ricky. Bye Josh.